Hey, what's going on everyone and welcome to Backhand Banter. I'm your host, Sean Methel, and today I'm going to be doing a recap of this first week and a half-ish of the Australian Open. There's a lot of great upsets, matches, and players to talk about. So without any further ado, let's get right into it. Alrighty, everyone. So, of course, if I'm going to talk about the Australian Open and what has happened... I have to talk about Rafael Nadal. He has been one of these players that we've had our eyes on, and his match against Draper kind of set the stage for what happened in the rest of the tournament, in my opinion. I think that what happened in the Draper match was that he aggravated his injuries, re-injured them, whatever, but he has that like leg injury now. Honestly, I think a win for Rafa is just coming out of a tournament without being injured at this point. <laughs> he um, is just getting injured left and right. But I would have thought that he could have gone a little longer. I think the Draper match really wore him down. Uh, you could tell by his, you can tell as he's gotten more injuries, he's playing a little more aggressive. Um, that's changing his game to account for those injuries. And when he was playing Draper, though, I think that he just used a lot of energy, wore his body down, and now he just. He just couldn't sustain that level that he was playing at. And by the time he played McDonald's, he just his body was not in great shape. Obviously, he's injured now. And his projected recovery time is like six to eight weeks. But at this point, it's just how long can he go until his body breaks down? And we'll see throughout the rest of the year how is it going to end up for Rafa. I think that the end is coming near. I think Rafa's going to need to retire soon. I've don't think he can keep up with these injuries, and I do not think that the French Open will go well for him. It may be clay, but on clay, he's going to need to work so much harder still, and I just don't think that his body can take it. And on a side note, props to Mackenzie McDonald, though, for beating Nakashima. That was a very good match to watch. But for sure, Nadal is not going to make it too much longer. He's having these struggles and if he makes it longer great for him but I just don't see it happening he's just getting injured way too much now I do want to take a minute to talk about Nick Kyrgios now he did retire from the Australian Open due to injury underwent surgery and he says that he'll be back around to Indian Wells now Kyrgios is a very young guy still he's like 20 late 20s so I don't see it as being a career setback kind of injury, just as something that he needed to address so that he could get back to the level that he was playing at last year. And we'll see in Indian Wells if that's going to be the case. But that also means that Kokonakis and him could not play doubles to defend their doubles title, which is unfortunate, but we'll see plenty more of Kyrgios in the future, I'm sure of it. Now, I have to talk about Andy Murray. This guy has turned back time. Uh, he beat he first beats Matteo Berrettini in the first round in five sets, and I thought that after a five setter, there's no way Murray can come back from that. Then he comes back and he beats Kokonakis in five sets, and that match was crazy. He just had, I think, just from the first round until his end, he just had this momentum building up, and when it came time for Murray to deliver on certain points, he did that. Whether that be break point, set point, match point, he did it. He turned back the clock, and he pulled out some crazy shots. And he was able to sustain that for just such a long time. 
uh, his court coverage against Kokonakis was looking like Alcaraz or Medved or something. I was like, who is this guy? Um, there was this point against Kokonakis. It was like third set. Uh, Murray's down like 0-2, I think. But he has break point again to get the break back. And that point was like Kokonakis in control, in control. And then Murray just whips out some crazy shots and stuff at 4 a.m. in the morning or something. I don't know how he did it. But then he beats Kokonakis in five sets. Like, I just can't understand how someone at his age, with all like the injuries and stuff that he's gone through, it's just incredible. Uh, and then I think what happened was, after playing two back-to-back five-setters against two very good players, I, I don't think physically he was just ready for another match. And then he had to play Bautista Gu and ended up losing to him, but... I definitely need to commend Murray for the inc- like that was just an incredible performance. Even though it may have been two matches, it was really impressive to see. Now I think it could speak for everyone when I say this that this year's Australian Open has been full of quite a bit of upsets. Uh, I'm gonna mention a few of them that I think are worth note. Number one being Jensen Brooksby beating Casper uh, Ruud in the second round. Now something that I've noticed with Casper Ruud is he's good, and he gets really far in tournaments. Obviously, last year was in the finals of two majors. Unfortunately, didn't pull through on either of them. But Kasparu just sometimes, he has those matches, he has those periods where he's just not playing his best tennis. And every player is going to go through that. But I guess what stands out to me is that it wasn't like a five-set or crazy match. It was Kasparu just losing to Brooksby. I think the final score was like, was it four sets? And then like, Brooksby didn't like, it wasn't like 7-6, seven, 6-7. Six, six, seven. It was, well, I think one of the sets was like 7-6. And that was the one that Rude won. But the other three sets were kind of just Brooksby being a little dominant over Rude. And that's a little unexpected. But after watching the match, I was like, I can kind of see why. You know, Brooksby was, he was there. He was grinding the points out. And... He was just being patient with it, and he, when he needed to deliver, he delivered. He gr- he grinded out the points and played, I guess, a very textbook match of tennis. So that upset, I guess, you could see it happening. You can definitely see why. Uh, one other match, though, that I want to talk about is Fritz losing to Alexei Paparin in a five-setter. And that's really unexpected, if I'm going to be honest. I would never have thought that Alexei Paparin would have beat Taylor Fritz. Um, but I mean, it was a five-setter that shows that it was competitive, at least. But um, the fifth set was kind of a disappointment. Uh, Popperin won it like 6-2, and the other four sets were very close. So it was a little bit like, oh, why did Popperin win that set so easily? But Popperin really cares, and he's really motivated. You can see when he's on the court, he's just always pumping himself up. And I mean, he's good, but... I mean, it looks like that Popperin's coming out of that uh, slump that he was in last year for sure. One match that kind of just showed the capabilities of one player was Yuri Lehechka and when he beat Felix auger This just demonstrates the future of men's tennis. They're both very young guys, though, Lehechka and Felix auger I think they're like pretty close in age, actually. But those two players, they're, they're the future of men's tennis. Or... Er, 
Felix Ogier, I see him as definitely. We can, we've seen that. The hedge guy, I definitely think, is going to be one of them too, though. Once Djokovic is gone in a few years, I think that Lahetchka is going to be a very dominant force and a force to be reckoned with. And just when I'm watching Lahetchka play Auger Asim, I'm just thinking, what does this have? What does this hold for our for the future of men's tennis? And I think that it's just going to be such a competitive environment because you have so many great players right now. There's no like player who's, in my opinion, just going to dominate over all of them or a few players like there has been with the big three I think it's going to be very just distributed evenly amongst a lot of players and there's not going to be one player that's going to dominate everyone because you have all these young guys who are coming in and they're going to be the future and there's more other and there's guys who are also winning a bunch and they're also going to win grand slams and they're going to it's just the rankings are going to be really competitive the tournaments will be really competitive. And I think that once Djokovic is gone, once he's retired, it's going to be very like open for anybody to move around in the rankings because I think the points are just going to be so tight and that any player could move any way depending on how they have how depending on how well they do in any tournament. It's going to be very interesting and in the near future it's something to look out for. So, in my opinion, this match is more just kind of showing what the future holds and that the future of men's tennis is in these players who you may not think are the best right now, but they're going to be good in a few years. Now, I definitely have to talk about Sebastian Corda. Like, what a year he is having already. First in Adelaide, making the finals, uh, losing Djokovic, though. And then, now in the Australian Open, Corda beat... Medvedev in straight sets like Korda was playing unbelievably he was like a wall nothing got past him whatsoever he was able to take advantage of every weak shot Medvedev threw at him anything that Korda could capitalize off of he did and then Korda was also hitting some crazy shots and his return game was exceptional that Medvedev match may have been insane and all but that Hercotch match was definitely something that I thought was even crazier, especially that Fissette tiebreak. That was very impressive what Corder was able to pull off there. Like, Corder was up significantly at one point, and then Hercotch came back, and then Hercotch made some errors in the tiebreak that definitely cost him. But that match could have gone either way, but Corder is having a great season, and it's just very impressive what he's already been able to achieve. And then he did have to play uh, Karen Hatchinov in the uh, quarterfinals. He did have to pull out because of a wrist injury. It's definitely something that probably prevented him from going to the semis. I think that quarter definitely could have beaten Kachinov without that injury. But, I mean, Kachinov's in the semis now, which is definitely a great achievement for him. And that match against Tsitsipas is for sure going to be one to watch. I guess speaking of the semis, I should probably talk about uh, what the future of this tournament holds in the uh, next few days. We have two matchups that, I'm going to be honest, were very unexpected. We have Novak Djokovic versus Tommy Paul being one of them. Who could have predicted that Tommy Paul would have made the semifinals of the Australian Open? Like, no offense to Tommy Paul, but... There's no one that I know who could have predicted that he would have made the semis. 
but props to him for making this semis. He deserves a lot of credit for his hard work. Uh, he beat two seeds to get here, Davidov Shokina and Bautista Daigu, along with three other players. And I think one of the matches that, or one of the people that I thought it was impressive to make it to the quarterfinals was Ben Shelton. I, even more so than Tommy Paul, would not have thought him to get that far. But I think that Ben Shelton in the future is going to be very good. But right now, from that Tommy Paul match, I could see he's just too aggressive. He isn't as patient as Tommy Paul. Tommy Paul is definitely more patient. He plays a more clinical kind of game, a little more clinical, a little more intelligent style of play. And he waits for his opportunities. And when he sees that opportunity, he goes, pulls the trigger, and that's why he was able to beat Shelton. Shelton is just ripping shots left and right. And he is a good forehand. He has a good serve. He has good shots, just he's not able to piece it all together in a game that I think is going to be... Um, able to beat these top players so I think that Shelton is going to be good but he needs time to make his game agree with itself uh, so to speak and in terms of who's going to win between Djokovic or Paul uh, it's Novak Djokovic unfortunately for Tommy Paul he gets to play probably the greatest tennis player to ever live so I guess it's kind of unlikely that Tommy Paul is going to beat him, but I mean, anything's possible, but I'm definitely going to have to say Djokovic. I mean, there's not much more you can say when you've won the tournament nine times, you know. <laughs> it's Novak Djokovic. I have him winning the entire thing. I have him beating Tommy Paul for sure. But you still have to play the match. Anything can happen, as we have seen for sure in this tournament. Definitely anything can happen. Now, with the... Stefano Tsitsipas versus uh, Karen Hatchinov match. Tsitsipas having a great run. Uh, that match against Sinner was... That was definitely something. But I think what'll be the most interesting is that if Tsitsipas and Djokovic end up in the finals... Actually, it's not going to be the most interesting because I kind of want to see somebody else in the finals. I don't just want to see people... I want to see... Ideally, in a perfect world, I could see Paul and Hatchinov in a final. That'd be just... Uh, That'd be very competitive because they're both going to really, really, really want it, knowing they're in the finals of a Grand Slam. Like, that's going to be their big break if they both make it there. Highly unlikely, though, unfortunately. But what is interesting that if Tsitsipas and Djokovic end up in the finals is that they'll not only be fighting for the Australian Open title, they'll be fighting for world number one. Uh, I think that... The Tsitsipas and Hatchinov match, though, is still going to be a great match because they both are really hungry for this title. Tsitsipas fell short to Djokovic in the 2021 French Open final. Um, that was his chance to win the Grand Slam. He uh, unfortunately lost. And Tsitsipas really wants to win a Grand Slam because I, I think he can. And every player's biggest obstacle, though, right now is Djokovic. Nobody can beat him because he is just... I mean, he's too good. Uh, but on the other end of the spectrum, though, Kashinov also really wants to win. This is his first big break. He has a chance to just change his entire career. He hasn't won a title since 2018. So he's definitely motivated to be in the position to win a Grand Slam. Um, the same could, the same is definitely going to be, can be said for Tommy Paul. 
obviously this being his chance, but unfortunately, you have Novak Djokovic on the other side of the net for him, so it's a little less likely that Paul beats Djokovic than Kachinov beating Tsitsipas. But again, anything is possible, anything can happen. But in terms of the Tsitsipas Kachinov match, uh, Hachinov's 0-5 against Tsitsipas, so yeah, it's uh, not looking too great for him, but he's playing some great tennis, so it'll, regardless of the score, it'll definitely be a good match to watch because they're both really going to be fighting for this title. Anyways, guys, uh, I think that's going to wrap it up for this episode. We have a very interesting and I guess kind of unexpected rest of the draw, but it'll be a fun one for sure. But uh, that's all I have. I hope you enjoyed, and I'll catch you guys next time.